At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm Stuart Wright, and this is the Britflix.com podcast. On this podcast, rather than critique or score films out of five or ten, or tell you what we love or what we hate, I sit down with the filmmaker and get them to give us an insight into the process of making their movie, what they discovered, what they learned, all those kind of things. Or I get to sit down with a horror film fan and get them to tell me five great British horror films that they think we should all take interest in. Either way, this podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe in iTunes. And if you've got that bit more time, write me a review too. It all helps. Thank you. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me filmmaker Julian Butler. Hello, Julian. Hello, Stuart. Nice to hear from you again. Indeed. No, no, no. It's it's been a while. It has, it has. And and, and people may may get the the sense of a slight slight delay in our conversation because we are talking around the world right now, aren't we, Julian? We are, yes. So uh, I'm presently sat in a car in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm sat in a living room in East London. Yeah, you're not sat in a car. You don't need to be sat in a car. So, um, yeah, I'm just sat in a car because it's, it's night time and it's the quietest place for me to, to Skype you, really. Um, <laughs> and, but it might get hot. That's the, that's the other thing because it is, we have been having temperatures of nearly 40 degrees. So <laughs> it might, start, I might start to sweat, but, um, that's fine. At least I'm not in the toilet, which is where I usually am. Well, let's let's hang on in there then. Now, so the reason we're, t- we're reason we're having a chat is not to discuss yeah. times differences and weather reports. Oh. It is uh, a portmanteau that you've been involved with producing and directing called Holy Terrors, a collection of weird tales by Arthur yeah. Macken. Is it or Machen? Yeah, we've been saying Macken. Macken. Um, yeah, we've been saying Macken. I don't know why we've been saying Macken, but um, yeah. Yeah, and everyone else says Macken, so yeah, Arthur Macken, yeah. yeah. Now, because it's a portmanteau, uh, uh, there's 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 six stories to to tackle. We're not going to do one, yeah. one. We're not going to pick them off one at a time. I think what's more interesting yeah. is, and, and usually what I'd ask is is people to give me a synopsis of what they've done, whereas I've just done that yeah. with, with the subtitle of your film. So, 
I guess the big question is why make a portmanteau of weird tales of Arthur Macken? Who's Arthur Macken? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the question that everybody asks pretty much when, when I tell them about the film. So it's a good place to start, I suppose. Um, mm. So uh, the, I suppose one thing to say is that I co-produced and directed it with um, uh, a guy called Mark Goodall, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, who's a more sort of, uh, works at Bradford University, basically, sort of academic character. I'm more production-based. on yeah. Films and TV and online stuff. So um, basically, Mark, um, I was <laughs> I was working in television development for a while uh, for Hattrick Productions. And um, I, me and Mark had talked, because we were actually going to, we we tried to sell a documentary on Mondo films because he wrote a book about Mondo films. Oh really? We were just yeah. So that that was that never went anywhere. <laughs> uh, like everything that we tried to pitch, it was just like blank faces basically. Um, and the same with this idea. But basically, Mark said to me, he said, "Have you heard of this writer Arthur Mack?" And I was like, "No, I never heard of him." And then he mentioned the Angel of Mon, which is um, this, which I had heard of from my sort of sporadic reading of 14 times as a, uh, from when I was a teenager uh, till now, really. And, and the Angel of Mon is a, is a myth that um, sort of started in the First World War. It's this story of uh, uh, the British soldiers in the trenches surrounded by the Germans, and uh, they're fucked, basically. They, they, they haven't got a chance. Mm. And some angels turn up and defeat the Germans for the English. Uh, and it's it's told as a as a true story as you know here's a real example of of angels used by you know theology uh, academics to sort of say oh there's that there's that proof of angels or there's you know, this story, that story and the whole thing was basically made up by Arthur Macken and it was a short story that he used to be a jobbing journalist as well as writing his books and um, he just got this printed i'm not quite sure which newspaper is in it might have been the standard or something like that he was down in fleet street in the mm. early the early day fleet street um and he just had, there's a short story called the bowman uh about and it's basically the same story but apart it's not angels that come to save the um the soldiers it's um uh the bowman from uh, st george's bowman basically who come and and rescue the english soldiers um and it's a, it's you know it's sort of it is a story, but because it's an obvious story when you're reading it, that's mm. not true. You don't believe it to be true. But I think it's, it says something about the power of his journalism that this was immediately taken on, and probably the power of the times as well, and, and the sort of feeling of fear probably going around at that point where people would try and jump onto anything. Um, but it's it's interesting. So that myth got spread around. It became angels and. And it's still cited today. There's books being written about it, about the Angel of Mon. So, so seriously, so the Angel, Angel of Mon, yeah, honestly, as, as, a, as a myth, is born out of a short story mm. by Arthur Macken. Mm. That is amazing. Have, have you of, yeah. Have you have you heard of the the Angel of Mon then? Cause no, not at all. No, but the way what you've just oh. described to me, and obviously where it, where the time it's the time it's talking about, and and I'm guessing yeah. it was written at the time. Was it written at the time of the First World War, or was it written? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, so as yeah, propaganda uh, goes, it's not bad, is it, to say no, that God's no, on your side? <clears throat> yeah. Well, there you go. Fake news. I was just about to say, yeah, yeah an early, an early. <laughs> yeah. Infowars yeah. could have done it better, <laughs> could they? Really? 
that's it. That's it. So, um, yeah, so that was interesting. So Mark mentioned that. And I was like, all oh, right, okay, I remember that story. I did. Uh, I never didn't know anything else about the writer. And um, so we, I can't remember. I think we tried to pitch it once. And it just like, you know, the Mondo documentary seemed like a, a mainstream idea compared to that. Mm. Uh, and so that didn't. It wasn't going anywhere, basically. So in terms of pitching it within television. So then a few years later. Um, I'd finished that job. It was a bit of a, a, a bit of a loose end, and we decided just to film one of. In fact, we, we only wanted to make one story at that point. We hadn't done. We, we hadn't thought the portmanteau thing, mm. and we just wanted to do one of his films, which was called The Happy Children. Um, which one of sort of one of the main reasons was that it was set in Whitby, um, which is where Mark lived, and which was near me in. Uh, in uh, where was I? I was in Yorkshire in a little place called Slower, um, mm-hmm. sort of Huddersfield. So it was close by, so we could. It was easy to film. Um, I think a lot interesting. A lot of Holy Terrors comes from thinking in those terms of of what can we do for for no money, mm. um, and how that work for us. Um, but at the time, I just didn't even think about it. And, and a friend of mine was there. He's a cameraman. He's now a CNN cameraman, so he's like a news cameraman. But he was just staying with me at the time. I was like, "Do you fancy a day out in Whitby, and we'll we'll nip over and shoot something just for the sake of it, really?" And then there was an actor. So, um, so yeah, the Happy Children made it into the, into the film. It's in the mm. uh, in the final Holy Terrors film, um, and the actor who who plays. Arthur Macken in the story it was just a guy who, because <laughs> I, I did a bit of teaching work for Mark at Bradford University, right. and the students had made this film, and there was this one bloke. It was meant to be a comedy film, and it was like, "Fuck, he's brilliant! That bloke is brilliant. He'd be brilliant as Arthur Macken." Mm. And that was it. We didn't think about it, and then rang him, got his number, rang him up. We went over to Whitby. We filmed this guy just wandering around, really, just wandering the streets, not doing much. Mark's daughter and a couple of her mates came to play a couple of children um because the story is basically about a journalist who goes up to whitby it's arthur macken himself like he actually went to whitby to on a journalist assignment and he wrote this story whilst he was there yeah um he starts seeing some strange things basically um so yeah we just wandered around filmed a few things we just filmed it in a day uh got back edited it in about a day um and I suppose the main thing is that we just decided just to have the story read over the top. I was going to say um, that's that's a fairly. I mean, that's that's. I mean, I think the first one doesn't have any narr- narration at all, but everything else is is like you're listening to someone or Arthur reading the story to you with yeah. with, with moving images, isn't it? So yeah, that's uh, and that seemed to work weirdly, and that was that was born from the fact that I think with a lot of low very low budget films like this um once actors start talking i think it can give give the game away unless they're really good and it's quite hard to find really good actors so what what do you what do you, what do you mean give the game away well their acting isn't it, it makes it look like a low budget film oh i see i see got you see what i mean it's sort of because their acting might not be that good, or it's hard to get good performances as well. You know, I wouldn't say it's all just the actor's fault, but you know, to direct someone well, you've got to have the time, and you've got to, you know, all, all those things that money brings to films. When you haven't got that, 
um, it can, that, I always think that's a giveaway. Whenever I see really low budget films that don't work, I think, oh, the acting there just made me, I just couldn't get into it because I just could see that person as who they really were, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, totally, uh, not... totally. You've got a lovely, lovely mid shot of a room, four people all in shot, and everyone's got something <laughs> to say, and the camera doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's like it's like merciless, isn't it, for a low budget film? <laughs> yeah. So um, so that was I was we were trying to avoid that, but I mean I wouldn't say that Tim uh, Tim's uh, the the guy who plays Arthur Macklin in the film is actually rather trained, which was weird, but um, which we didn't know at the time. But so I'm not saying he would have been bad if he was talking. No, no. But I think but, I think I think watching it, there's there's you, you've you've um, out of that constraint that you put on yourself. Because you can, mm, you, you, yeah. it's basically getting rid of a variable, isn't it? If you're not having to record sound yeah. while shooting the, the footage, yes. you've you've got yeah. rid of one variable in the production. So, was in that sense, was you? You, you mean you just said you were wandering around doing shots, and his kids were there, and you shot them. But but were you working off a screenplay of some description, or was you just going, "Here's the basic no. tenets of the story"? Yeah, yeah. All we had, I remember, Mark just had the paperback, like pan horror. Those pan horror paperbacks from the seventies, like these <laughs> compilations of of horror writer stories. Basically, he just had that in his pocket, okay. and, was, and was just going, "Oh, we'd probably better film something for for this bit." Then yeah. he'd organised a couple of locations, so he needed someone in a pub, so he needed a pub, so we filmed in there. Uh, actually, I think that's the only one he'd organised for that. The rest of it, I think he, because he, he's from there, he had ideas, you know, yeah. of where we would go. But yeah, no, no screenplay or anything, and no real, not following the story rigidly, really. Just, just filming this guy walking around, and co- I think part of it's because we're with uh, the the cameraman, a guy called Justin Robertson, who's he's a very good cameraman, but in a in a newsy way. So mm. he is used to just shooting whatever's happening. Right. So you like when we got back with the rushes, you were like, "Fuck that!" He was just filming that whilst we were talking to somebody <laughs> or talking to the actor. He was filming his hands, or he was filming something of you know the seagull or whatever. You know, he was just getting stuff because that's what he's used to having to do to work quickly. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, so yeah. some of the stuff that I'm watching on your film was as a result of his his just um, compulsion to keep getting stuff like time yeah. is money almost yeah. all the time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, like I say, the Happy Children made it into the finished piece. I think it's 12 minutes long. We shot that in a day um, and edited it in about a day as well. So, so how did, how yeah. did, how did this, this let's do one film over in Whitby then evolve into the portmanteau? Or did you just go, OK, we'll make a second yeah. one? Or, or did you actually say... Um, we, well, we, we basically... That seemed to work, so we made that one. And I... At the time, literally, it was nowhere near what I wanted to do as well, really. I was, like I used to do, as you know, a bit of comedy stuff. And so I was more involved in that world, really. And so there was nothing, I just didn't even think about it, really. But we cut it, and I was like, fuck, that works really well. That's really powerful. And we I, showed I, I mean, I, I get, this is, a, I mean, this is, a, I don't know if this is a backhanded compliment or a compliment, but if I think about, like, when I first got to know you, Getting hold of a copy mm. of VHS for the hunt, hunt for Yorkshire Grimace. Um, yeah. As fat, I mean, oh, which is a film born out of its financial constraints as much as anything else. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and physical restraints. And physical restraints. Um, but, but, but this, with, with what you've done, with the constraints you're putting yourself to make these films, 
you've yeah. inadvertently created something that's very very dreamy and very artful yeah. as well as yeah. as well as giving us an insight into Arthur Mackin's stories you've you, you know that mm. I mean we were talking before off off podcast as it were about a friend of mine sort of doing sort of long transcendental cinema stuff but I think you've you, you you're mm. kind of playing with those notions where you're Mm. There's only a light. There's a light guiding hand, isn't there, on the viewer? I'm not. I'm, I'm expected yeah. to do quite a lot of work, Anna, watching your watching this yeah. film because there's yeah. not a lot for yeah. me to I get onto. No, no, I, and I quite like that. I always said the, and that it was a lesson for me that as well that the that with Holy Terrors we would just try and strip away as much as possible. You said about you said it when you said about not recording sound is just you can get rid of that factor as a thing to worry about mm. and you know there's no there's no color in pretty much all of it and there's we just stripped it away we just kept going and weirdly watching the film now i'd, I'd like to go again and try that even more to be honest to mm. see how little you can have um but even with locations that I, I sometimes i'm watching and that's too much like i can see i can see where they are and sometimes just a close-up on someone's face does it but i mean i think a lot of it is to do with those stories being so well written mm. um and then they work so well i mean some of them are confusing <laughs> i'm still confused by some of them no I was gonna s- yeah i was gonna say that's part part of the viewing experiences i'm not quite yeah. tie- tying the the image and the words together but i'm <laughs> but I, but i'm not it doesn't it's not it doesn't put me off it just means i'm like i say i feel like i'm having to do a yeah. bit of work yeah well that's it i've shown it I, I've shown it in a lot of places now and in a few countries as well. And it seems to have a weird effect on people where they're sort of hypnotized by it. Mm. And all I can think is that it takes people back to being like a child. And when you have a a story told to you and you might, and in fact, someone actually, they, they described it to me as this. They said, Oh, it's equivalent of the story, isn't it? Where these are the illustrations to the story that the stuff you've filmed is equivalent to just one illustration you know, in a book, in a children's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're a kid, those illustrations are so potent, they're so strong, and you're filling in everything else around it with your with your imagination. That you don't want, you don't want loads of pictures. You don't want too much going on. Um, and so, yeah, that's all I can think, to be honest. Yeah, I... people seem get quite hypnotised. But I think what you said is true. You have to put some effort in, and I think I think with some of them that effort is rewarding, some of it is not. Yeah. But people don't seem to complain about that. They just seem to go, good, yeah, that worked really well. And I don't know if they think about it after and think, what the fuck was that about in the air? Like some of them, there's a couple that, you know, it's it's not very, it's not traditionally explained. It's not a, mm. there's some that are like the white powder stories almost uh Oh, I don't know. It's like a hammer horror. I, I was going to say that's probably the mo- like of, of of the stories. That's probably the most coherent, isn't it? Because yeah, you, yeah, you kind of yeah. get you give us a setup and you pay it off, don't you? You know. Whereas I don't, yeah. I don't think that the um, I don't think. I mean, I mean the the Bowman itself <laughs> is is a is a, is a, is like a dream more than because yeah. while the story's going on. You're, you're yeah. fu- you, I mean, like you say, you talk about the use of close-up. That that soldier that you keep repeatedly using, <clears throat> yeah, is is all we need to see. Because because obviously, yeah. if if you're if you're in the trenches in the war, then it is ultimately it's all about you. You're not thinking, oh, there's thousands of us. We'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, that's you're thinking it. we're fucked. Yeah. We're going to lose. We're going to lose this battle, and I'll die. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And so you only need to see one, really, mm. I suppose, who's thinking that. Well, that's true. But again, it's born out of budget as well. So, uh, But you're right. When you think about trying to portray the First World War, you get these traditional images of trenches with loads of soldiers running up and down and, and then you sort of all, all running over, you know, running mm. towards each other. And you sort of think, well, we can't actually do that. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, well, obviously we used quite a bit of, um, of archive yeah. footage in that one, news footage, which was a bit of a nod to the idea that the story was originally a news story. And well, it wasn't a news story, but it was portrayed as a news story mm. and, and pictured as that. So, um, so yeah, I, I, we found I, a lot of. I, th- I felt as well, I mean, again, we were talking about this off, off, off podcast, like, but I, I felt there was, there was a, Within, within the within the look and feel of it all, and I guess given yeah. the time of when Macken was writing these stories, <coughs> what yeah. you've what you've produced to, with with that <coughs> has got a nod to the sort of a Christmas ghost stories we used to see on BBC yeah. and 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 uh, yeah. you know the, the the sort of Mr James sort of things where where I think and and, it, and it's on the back of your DVD you, you talk about the fact that Macken was almost like was was. Um, was reacting to this idea of, I mean, can you explain what scientific materialism is that you mentioned on the back of the DVD? Oh, do I? <laughs> is that from, uh, has Mark told you that? He has, yes. You better, you better ask Mark about that one, I reckon. Well, no, but, but I think, I think, I think what it's, I, I'm guessing it, it, it's sort of, everyone's trying to make everything literal and it's, if we can't see it, then it doesn't exist. Whereas I guess, even in a kind of non-theological spirituality, i.e. the idea of angels and ghosts and stuff, that's mm. that's about the mind, isn't it? And about what the mind can do. And the imagination shouldn't be shouldn't be just put in a box because we've said it doesn't exist. Mm. Or we can't prove it exists, uh, for that matter. Yeah. Well, and I think that Arthur Macken was <clears throat> definitely from that... Uh, that system really and that and as of that belief as well and uh you know he's obviously affected by the first world war and you've got a war there that's created by sort of machinery really mm. and what, what happens when you reduce humanity down to machinery um and so yeah i think he's he's talking about other things like you said the imagination and and things in terms of reality and these other things that humans um, that is part of humanity, really. That um, isn't just the uh, yeah the sort of industrialization because he he was there at the the sort of beginning of that, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, I mean, I mean, tactics and strategy was something that came about in World War Two and World War One was people fighting the same way they'd fought for the last thousand years, which is throw a load <laughs> of men at another load of men and see who's left standing. Uh, Whereas you add machines into that yeah. and the death toll. Becomes yeah incredible, um yeah. I love I love the expression um that that the, the describes Arthur as the apostle of wonder, um yeah. Where where does that come from? Jesus, I don't know as well. I think that might be. I don't know to be honest. That's Mark again. I think to be honest. Um, That's a B minus in this podcast report you're getting so far, you know, Julian. <laughs> I'm not doing well. Am I? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, what, well, one th- I mean, it's an interesting part of it, Stuart, in, in the fact that just the way it was made, in a way, um, mm. 
in that I was here in Australia, as we said at the beginning, and I, mm. I went to, to make the, the feature, you know, we wanted to make more stories. So I went mm. over to back to Britain for, a, uh, I think, a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, something in, in winter, right in the sort of February, I think it was. We filmed it, and then I come back to Australia. I cut it here. Yeah. Um, but as for the promotion of it and that side of things, festivals and things, that's been Mark's side of things. So it's a weird, it, it's sort of weird for me because... Yeah, like the the promotion of it and the the things on the D, the writing on the DVD and things like that. That sort of I'm at such a distance from that. It's quite a strange feeling to be involved in a project, to, but for it to be so distant is, mm. is a strange thing. So yeah, I would say it's it's partly that's partly you know why <laughs> why I don't know what those where those things came from. Sorry, right, sorry. Right. Um, no, um, thinking about um, I, I, I realise we've not actually said. How can people get get to see Holy Terror? Well, <laughs> we've been shown in in some festivals. It sort of it seems to be a slow burner, really. It, it's at the beginning we thought maybe it was a horror festival thing. I don't think it is entirely now. Um, we've been showing like literary festivals. I was going to say like. that would that would seem more. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Because you sort of, as a filmmaker, we think, oh, film festivals would be the ones. Um, and then, uh, yeah, literary festivals, they sort of, they, we seem to be getting full houses and, and people are really interested in it. So um, so you never know. It might, I mean, there's a Facebook page, which is, uh, if you want to know about where to see it, I suppose that's the first place to go. And whenever we have screenings, we're just, we're just posting up there. And I think it's, I think it's Holy Terror's film. If you put into Facebook, you'll you'll get it. We'll put links that. to the we'll put links to the in the show notes to all this. Right. But but it, but it's available now on DVD. Is what I'm, I'm asking. Yeah, and it's available on DVD as well. So um, yeah, I think you just need to go to eBay and go Holy Terror's DVD, and um, you find a copy of it there. Basically, now so, alongside the DVD, you, you you've also issued a book. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. So um, and that's sold Charter out. Is- yeah, so that's just sold out, just literally within days of it being published. So, um, yeah, so that's quite interesting. So Tartarus Press, and sort of, they they've done Arthur Mack and books, all all books in a, um, from similar writers basically for a long time. Yeah, uh, they sort of nicely, nicely produced books that look really nice. And um, so they, they, yeah, they're interested in doing a sort of film cash in, which is quite funny. Um, and so it's just basically the six stories from the film compiled into a sort of slim volume. So, um, yeah, so I think we're going to try and get some more made of those because they, they went pretty quickly. But I suppose it's, I suppose it's interesting because if you have, like, you, you know, when you watch the film, some of them are a bit sort of like, you know, mysterious. Mm. Ones, well, they're all mysterious, but some of them are more mysterious than others. And if you go back to the actual text, I suppose that's where you're going to, Start to get more of an idea of what of what some of the stories mean. I think the first one, the cozy room, the one you were talking about, with no, it's just no dialogue, just yeah. just um, track. Uh, I think that's probably the one that's the most interesting to read the actual story and see what that what that meant. Um, so that might be why people are buying it. I'm not I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's funny with the cozy room. <clears throat> so many people have been mentioning different aspects of it. Right, which are quite like aspects have no. So there's um there's like a drafts board at the end where the mm. guy, the, the the final guy, sort of relaxing in his cozy room, and yeah. uh, people mentioned that like oh the 
yes, I get it. The draft's bothered. No, that just happened to be there on the table at the time. So, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Seriously, that wasn't read. that wasn't production design. Well, it was just there. It, then we went, yeah, well, we'll leave that there. But no, it wasn't like let's bring the that drafts board in. Uh, it just happened to be there, so it was weird actually. That was in um, it was in a hotel in Whitby that they have a sort of different themed rooms. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that they call that the Bram Stoker room or something. It's very sort of it's quite a bit touristy, but because um, obviously Bram Stoker stayed in Whitby as well. Um, and wrote part of Dracula, but um, it was weird because it had some books on the shelves, which was sort of it, the whole thing was like a set. You know, they'd sort of dressed this room like a set. Mm. But weirdly, there was, a, there was a compendium of stories, and one of them was an Arthur Mackin story. Wow! Just sort of whilst we were filming, yeah, so that was that was quite a strange thing. Those little things keep cropping up. But but so. going back to your cosy room, because if I remember rightly, the <laughs> the drafts board only has the white pieces on you. Yeah? Yeah, that's what people mention. <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah. I because I watched that, and obviously, like you, you're, you're programmed to try and read what's on the screen. Yeah. And yeah, I was kind yeah, of going, "Oh, he's got no one to play with." Um, there's, there's a there's a there's a is, is this is this is this part of some Faustian deal that he's that he's he's in or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's like you, you can wander quite far with that, and it's only like you say, it's so it, yeah. it's it's yeah, yeah. It's because there's no words, and because you've led it, we've got to this point. I'm thinking, well, there must be a yeah. point that I'm not that I've got to work out, like a puzzle. Yeah, you're not getting. It, you've got to. Work. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's good. Um, and to be honest, on the the night, so the the actor who plays the main guy, Lloyd Peters, he turned up the night before, mm-hmm. and we're sort of ready to to film him, and then he he just immediately launches into about ten different meanings of the story. Which completely just like threw us silently like, oh, well, we don't know what that means now. We just don't know, don't even know what the meaning is of the film we're making. So that was, I think that is the feeling we had from that story. And even if you read that story, it won't explain it totally. And is that, um, is that, so is that's that quite part good. of the appeal of, of, of working along, alongside Arthur Macken's material? Yeah, I think so. Part of it. Part of it. It's all an experiment, really, to be yeah. honest. I think it's uh, just uh, what would happen. You know, the that first one worked, right? What will happen when you, how long can you stretch that for? Or how can you keep that going? Or what will the feelings be um, if you try and do that? And the, so the editing, as I said, I did that here and I did some of it myself, but I, I got a, friend of mine someone I worked with called Dan Thomas to do some of the editing and he did the white powder a lot of the white powder and a lot on the cozy room right and we were discussing the order of the the stories and um I had the cozy room like further down you know almost hiding it away because it was Mm. the strangest of them all really and he just said no when if you what if you've got people especially if they come to a festival or they come to a cinema to see your film they've They've paid, they've invested some time. It's not like they're watching online or, you know, they, they can't yeah, yeah. turn over, they can't, can't switch to the next thing. And so you, you've, you've sort of got people captured for, he reckoned about for about 10 minutes, you can fuck with people as much as you want. No, totally, for about I totally 10 agree. Minutes. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's absolutely true. And so it's like, right, well, let's just put that right at the beginning then. And then I, what I love when I watch it, when people, when I'm sat in the cinema watching with people is, Cozy room happens, they're glued to it, and you can see at the end they go, ah, and the title to the next one comes up, they go, ah, and they're thinking about it, and then the next one you've got a voiceover, and that just grabs you immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, 
sort of don't have time to really think what they've just seen. And then they're grabbed by, yeah, more sort of linear narrative, which the, the white powder is. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's going to sound like a crass comparison, but if you look at, say, watching something like um, Nicholas Van Ruffin's Valhalla Rising. It's... Oh, right, okay, I never, the, the Viking one. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. <laughs> I never got to the end of that, I, um, but it was good, the point I got to, but. But yeah, he was being raped, or was he raping someone? Yeah, well, well just just the whole just the whole notion of, of 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 the action unfolding and it not being you know absolutely clear as to why some of the action is happening. Some of it was made perfect sense, but not all of it did. Um, I'm I'm conscious of time, so I just want to just pick up on something that's that's another part of 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 the film which we've not tapped into is that you collaborated with um, David. Chatham Barker from Folklore Tapes for the scores. Yeah, right. So given yeah. given what you've described as the process so far, where you came back to Britain, you you worked for three weeks with Mark, and you you got the rest of what was, became the portmanteau together. And in the edit, then how 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 in post production did that work to get the score? <laughs> yeah, so uh, David is another is a Mark contact, mm. um, and he basically he just suggested it to him once. I think he does these things at. at, at like these nights where he gets people who do interesting things to come and talk, and he. Well, I was going to say that. folklore tapes. From what I've read, sound. I mean, not something I knew about till till I was looking at your film, yeah. oh, and oh, and, right. and and they're basically like a society that 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 is looking to preserve and and popularise uh, the the rich British folklore traditions and yeah, stories and, yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, obviously, what Arthur yeah. Reckon's doing is is playing right into those kind of. Yeah, exactly. And they're, but they're doing it in a sort of interesting yeah. or a more contemporary way, I suppose. So mm. they'll go to an area and he'll make sound recordings in this area and then he and then he comes back and mixes it. Like he did one uh, it's a it's a Lancashire based <coughs> one as well. It's called uh, Ginnels. It's about Ginnels, which oh, is right. right. And um, J- Jiggers so, is yeah, the call, just, Jiggers is the corner of Liverpool, I found out. What do they call them? Jiggers, I think it is, my dad was saying. <laughs> all right oh there you go yeah yeah so i mean that's a it's a i just like you know it's a good term and so he basically makes his sound recordings and then he mixes them together he does it live and stuff with weird you know weird instruments and things so we still don't know what the fuck he did to create that music <laughs> seriously uh, yeah honestly i listen to that and i go what what is he doing i have no idea how he's creating that but one thing we're going to do soon is a live. We're going to show the the whole film, and he's just going to do a live soundtrack to the to the whole thing from beginning to end. So I suppose at that point we might. Well, I'll probably be in, in Australia still, so I won't get to see it. But Where, where's uh, that, where's that plan for? I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And that, um, yeah, they'll be on the Facebook page as well. Okay. But, um, okay. Well, we'll put, yeah, so we'll, put we'll put the Facebook page and, and and the website for the DVD and stuff in the show notes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yes, that's interesting, and and um, I mean, I suppose if you're talking about the idea of the, the sort of British folk history and things, it's uh, the film's showing at uh, a folk horror um, festival, and I think that's in Whitby again. I might what think. Is, out of interest, what is it about Whitby? You know, like I mean, you film there. Now, <laughs> obviously, you're a you're a Yorkshireman. Obviously, we know that the, yeah. the, the big headlines are about right, Bram Stoker, but, sort of working yeah. there but <clears throat> but you but like you've said you know Arthur Macken went there for a journalistic job and while he was there he was writing he was writing some of these stories yeah um 
Is it? Do you think? Do you think there's any mystique attached to Whitby when you're there? Does it fit? Does it feel like anywhere anything otherworldly? It's a weird one. It sort of it can feel both ways. Like if you go in summer, it can feel like just any other tourist place. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're really trashy, which could be good as well, mm-hmm. uh, with the arcades and all that stuff. And but then if you go in winter, that's when it, it does start to feel quite weird, and you start realizing what a weird place it is. Uh, and especially if you even if you wander off, you got the main roads and the abbey and things like that. But even just in normal places like where we were staying, like, there was this huge viaduct next to it and we filmed the the cozy room the first shots of the film like we just went down onto the the mud it's just like a, a canal of mud really like the small tickled canal it was just horrible but and we're just walking up and down this canal of mud. but that was there's something strange about that as well and this giant viaduct and you could walk across the viaduct as well so yeah i think like a lot of places around there i mean <clears throat> We went to Robin Hood's Bay. I think, I think, like I said, it's when it's not summer. I think these places are really weird. Robin Hood's Bay, there's this tiny little parish, tiny little church that's just open, you know, like, obviously a lot of churches are. Uh, they're just open, but just nobody there. It's a minute little place that's been there for, for, for centuries with this graveyard and, it's just like really weird, really weird things there that you can just stumble upon. Um, yeah, and there's a big folk music tradition in Whitby, and um, they have a golf weekend. Have you, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, right, so this, this yeah. was my, my, my attempt at a segue, because, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of the uh, the initial DVD releases are going to include a booklet. If you hold that thought, we'll come to that question, the door's ringing. What will be said? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I can keep going on about that, if you like. Now we're going to cut. Hello, thank you very much. Oh. Well, that was good, wasn't it? That it came just when I'm asking a question as opposed to. uh... Bear with me. Let me me, me just make a note of the time so I'm. I'm. I'm, I can edit a bit easier. Yeah, or if you look on the, um, depends how you edit it, but if you just look on the sound wave, there's a, there's a gap there. Of oh, no, no, yeah, I'll see that, but it's just, I can just forward to it, right? So, I'll start that question again. Yeah, right, that was, that was my clumsy attempt at a segue, and uh, what I wanted to ask about and highlight is that um, as part of the initial, initial copies of the DVD, you're going to include a facsimile of The Town of a Magic Dream, Arthur Macken. In Whit in Whitby, which is yeah. which. Yeah. So is that is that are they are they still available? Is that still available? It was part of the uh, DVD release, or have uh, they all have they all gone yes, now? I think. So. No, I think that we we did sell out of the initial um, pressing of those, but we've done another one now, and um, they yeah they come with the booklet as well. So um, yeah, it's just I think it's a a copy of an old article which was talking about Arthur Mack and talking about the history of him when he when he visited Whitby and then it's got a copy of the Happy Children in there as well. Okay. Um it's got some nice And that and that was and that was well. illustrated by and I don't know this guy, Nick Nick uh, Blinko, an artist and musician. Yeah. Yeah, well there you go. So yes, they're good pictures. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, look, so, so Holy Terrors is available now on DVD. And we'll put a link. It is, yeah. And we'll put a link to the yes. where people can get it from if this is of interest to them. You've got screenings yeah. coming up, and we'll we'll put a link to the Facebook page so people can follow yeah. that. And it only gives me to say thank you very much for uh, coming on the Britflix podcast. Well, thank you very much. That's been that's been fun. I hope it wasn't too. Well, I'm sure it was rambling, but not too rambling. A good ramble at the end, though. <laughs> And what did he give me? A B minus. Britflix.com podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe at iTunes and write me a review. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.